Well, I'm not surprised. I'm absolutely disgusted. Um, it's not unexpected. I mean, all elective surgeries were cancelled over the Christmas period, and we obviously know the figures were still high, so this was predictable, um, sadly. Um, there's been a horrendous case, I don't know if you're aware of it, which has been on Twitter, which is Councillor Conor Sheehan, who's a Labour councillor in Limerick, his grandfather. And it kind of uh, takes us through what happened to him over 100 hours on a trolley and on a chair before he was eventually moved to Croom. And this happened yesterday. Now, it's great that it's getting publicity and it's been highlighted, but this is happening every day of the week. And it's happening to a lot of people that, you know, from Clare in particular, that are accessing the UHL emergency department. You know, we've had promises, we've had sticking plasters, we've had so much um, promised and said things are going to change. I mean, Stephen Donnelly was here in June and he was on your program and, you know, some of the stuff that he said was, was challenged should have been should have been challenged um but you know he he made promises and um you know what has happened we're back now as you said where we had 132 but to be honest it doesn't matter whether it's 132 or 32 nobody should be on the trolley and you know it's time that you know we were listened to you know we are being treated as second class citizens here Claire Limerick and Nortia Pereira and we deserve better and you know we've you know this has been going on since 2009 I was reading something this morning for Professor Paul Burke who's still actually working at UHL um, made great promises uh, as to what was going to happen and here we are 2024 and as you say record figures but 32, 132, it doesn't matter if that's you or your relative or your friend or your neighbour or whoever that's lying on those trolleys. You know, it, it, it shouldn't happen. I mean, that 87-year-old man yesterday lying on a trolley for 96 hours ended up being transferred to geriatric ward and sitting on a chair waiting to be transferred to crew. I mean, is this is this how we treat our the most vulnerable in our society? Is this how we should be treating our elderly? Or how we should be treating anybody? I mean, you know, yeah. you get better treated in probably the, war, the worst health services in, in, in the world. Uh, and uh, here we are in, in, in Clare in 2024 and this is what we're this is how we're treating our, our vulnerable. I'm very just as, uh, just before I go to Killian, I just want to ask about something, but just to say when Minister Donnelly uh, was on with us, he was challenged uh, on plenty mm-hmm. of, of occasions, but also at the weekend we saw protests again uh, to highlight mm-hmm. record overcrowding at UHL and then mm-hmm. ironically enough we see the 132 figure recorded on Monday. Protests don't mm-hmm. seem to make a difference. Is it, will anything make a difference? Why aren't things getting any better? Because I, I, I just think the political will's not there. And apologies, I should have said he was challenged. But some of the stats that he came out with and presented as fact were actually not not accurate. But, you know, apologies for that. But, um, no, I don't think, you know, I don't know what is going to make a change. I mean, give you an example. We went as committee, Noli Moore and myself and a representative from Limerick and a representative from Tipperary, went to the uh, committee, uh, the petitions committee in November. We notified every member from 
all three counties that we were going to be there. Every TD, every um, senator, and most of them didn't even acknowledge, and that's right across the board, most of them didn't even acknowledge that we were going to be there. A few of them turned up, but the vast majority just completely ignored it. Now, that sends a very strong message to the people of, of Clare and the people of Limerick and the people of North Tipperary. You know, and, you know, we have to, we have to keep fighting. We're not going anywhere. We will keep shouting. We will keep, you know, embarrassing them if that's what it takes. But, you know, they, they, they should be standing up for the people. You know, they haven't. They won't commit. But until they do commit and until we see it, in, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be here, you know. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm sure Councillor Murphy will agree with me. People are worried. People are frightened. People are talking about it. It is a huge issue and it needs to be addressed. Okay, well, let's bring in uh, Killian Murphy at this point. Killian, 132 people. I mean, look, there's so many areas we could cover on this. I mean, one that comes to mind is reconfiguration. It's been said time and again that it hasn't worked. One emergency department servicing a population in excess of 400,000 people, which then brings us on to the numerous calls to reopen the ED at Ennis General Hospital, also in Nina, St. John's. We've heard many times... uh, you know, Stephen Donnelly himself, he claimed reopening the ED at Ennis is inadvisable on patient safety grounds. UL Hospital Group's Chief Clinical Director, Brian Lenehan, uh, he said that Ennis isn't equipped with sufficient resources to cater for patients presenting in a critical condition. But we've heard so many times from people in Clare have had to make lengthy journeys down to UHL. Should, is it time that the government look at a plan where they can uh, properly fund and resource these emergency departments to get them into a position where they can cater uh, properly for populations because the ED at UHL, it just can't cope. Yeah, um, hi Marie, how are you doing? And um, uh, Look, I I think (coughs) there's a lot of work. Well, first of all, I mean, what do you say, 132 people? I mean, that's mind-boggling. And it's it's mind-boggling in the context that there is no elective surgery taking place at the minute. I mean, you know, we're being hit on a double whammy here straight away. So you've got really unacceptable emergency medical care uh, and you've completely unacceptable care for, you know, just kind of longer term uh, important medical procedures that need to be done. Um, so, you know, we're being, we're being shafted on one side and shafted on the other as well. And, and, and like, and as we said, look, it's completely uh, predictable. You know, we have a single ED serving over 400,000 people. You know, for comparison, if you look at Galway, it is two EDs for a population. Uh, 350,000. You know, so we're already, we are so oversubscribed. The system is patently broken. Um, and I mean, it's, it's indefensible. And, uh, I mean, so how do, no we matter, fi- how do we fix it then? Is it, as I say, properly f- funding and resourcing the emerg- these emergency departments to get them open again? Is it a, a, <clears throat> a Model 3 hospital? What, what, what is it going to take to solve this situation that well, just seems to be ongoing? <laughs> I pick up the point that we made, which is political will for a start, 100%. I, I think that is, uh, you know, that's such an important part of this. Um, the other piece, uh, and I think this is where it's critically important, is, you know, we're told repeatedly by the HSC that, uh, you know, responses are all these things are taken on an evidence-based, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're evidence-based decisions. You know, well, one of the things that I've been doing on the Health Forum, and I suppose is to start gathering some of that data so that we can understand uh, the real nature of where these problems are. I mean, I asked 
the HSE, uh, the, the, the management of UHL, for the data around where people are presenting to the ED, where are they coming from? They didn't have that data. Okay, they had to do a pilot project in 2023 to do that, to find that data. I mean, at a bare minimum, in my view, you know, you, you cannot address the problem unless you understand the problem. And, and not knowing where your patients are coming from uh, uh, is the very first step in understanding the problem. I mean, that showed clearly, and I mean, that's the data that came out of that. And while it was uh, at a very kind of beginning stage of it, uh, well, no, they had about five months of, 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 of reporting to, uh, done on it. We were showing 25% of the ED presentation, presentations to UHL come from Clare. You know, 14,000 people were presenting to the ED in, 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 in Limerick from Clare, 6,000 from Tipperary, and 33,000 from Limerick. You know, that's the sort of data. Other data that's there is, you know, uh, what is the transfer time from an incident to the hospital from the National Ambulance Service? Again, I pulled that information out of the National Ambulance Service, 42 minutes. So if we take a, a radius of 42 minutes drive time, from UHL and even in, let's go and be generous and go out to the um, emergency department in Galway um, we have seen almost the entirety of North and West Clare absent are, are outside of that uh, range and a, a huge swathe of East Clare is also outside of that range so you know our, our ED system inside in UHL is patently not serving the people of Clare at all so unless we can put and that's the sort of data that needs to be had and I mean I, I had the opportunity thanks to Cahill Crow, uh, uh, to meet with uh, Simon Donnelly, along with a couple of um, people from the French Venice General Hospital, to present that case to him and to show him that data. And I mean, look, I, I mean, what are we going to see happening out of it? I don't know. But for me, there is only one solution. And it's actually a solution that is the solution for the Midwest. It's to uh, upgrade NS to Model 3 and ensure that there's an ED inside it. We, well, I mean, look, simple. yeah, we all... We all hope that happens, Killian. But it would be understandable if a lot of us were pessimistic as to the chances of that happening. And Marie, it seems that no matter how much evidence is in front of them and how many calls there are uh, from people or pleading, uh, such as people like yourself, that the government doesn't seem to be taking the situation seriously. You know, if you look at what was allocated for health in Budget 24, it was lower uh, than expected. You hold out any hope that they're going to uh, put a more minute, microscopic focus on the situation at UHL and try and sort it out and alleviate the issue in the Midwest as a whole. I mean, it's interesting what Killian said there in that he made a presentation to Stephen Donnelly when he was here in June. Well, obviously that hasn't sunk because only recently I've heard um, Stephen Donnelly compare UHL to Tullamore, which has a choice of seven or eight different ADs in in the same time it would take me to get to UHL, for example. Or he's compared just to Waterford, which again, you have four choices of EDs to go Mm -hmm. to in less time than it would take me to, you know, and these, these are our realities. And, you know, we need to, but, you know, we don't have the political support you know, I mean, meetings and talking and everything. We met with Leo Varadkar. We, you know, Killian and others have met with, with Stephen Donnelly. And, you know, they say, make all the right noises or whatever. And they go away and we're forgotten about until the next crisis. And, you know, they're putting all this money into glossy reports, different imaginative ways of counting how many are on trolleys. But, you know, we know what the reality is. Our people 
you know, the people of our districts know what the realities are because they're the ones that have to present a UHL emergency department. So you can try and dismiss and try and deflect as much as you possible, but it's our reality. And I think, you know, we, we as communities, we should all be standing together. And that's not happening because our politi- the political support is not there. People are putting party before... Uh, sorry, our representatives seem to be putting the parties before the people. Now, it's the people that have given them a mandate to be there. So they should be listening to that, and they're not. And that's, you know, we are the ones that are paying the price. Okay. You know, as just quickly, um, you know, as, as we know, you know, there's a huge thing of people in Clare in terms of, of poverty they cannot afford medical now we see there's another private hospital going up in Limerick which I presume is the one which has been referred to as on the Clare Limerick border. Most people or a lot of people from Clare, probably not most, but a lot of people from Clare won't be able to afford, they'll have to bypass that and an elective hospital is no good for the people because when you have an emergency situation, you have to present to the emergency department before you can go to any private hospital. And I think that's been lost as well. Okay. You have no choice. Uh, just to finish with you, Caelan, and I, I, yeah. can, if I can ask you to be brief, please, because time is very much against us. We see next month that the HC, that uh, six uh, new health regions is going to happen. Is that likely to make things any better at UHL or the Midwest? When you see that alignment between the hospital groups and the community groups? Uh, I don't know. It's a short answer to that. I, um, as you know, we had a notice of motion recently asking to meet Bernard Gloucester. Uh, I followed that up recently with an email to our corporate services to see can we meet directly with the head of the region, uh, the region executive. Um, but I suppose I want to just come back to one thing here. Uh, one of the things, Alan, and, and I will be brief. Divide and conquer is a is a mechanism that has been used for years to prevent communities and groups generating enough momentum. My view here, and, and I'm probably not going to be popular for, for saying this, is that what we're seeing here is a combine and conquer uh, has, has actually preventing us from getting what we need here in Clare. You know, we look at the bundle that is the Midwest, and, and I think what is happening here is that the government are looking, and there is no clear outcome. It's either all or nothing. It's, we want three new EDs, one in NS1 in Limerick and one in Tipperary. The government will never agree to that. And until we, all of us, health campaigners, public, uh, public representatives, pull up our big boy pants and say, the solution to this is a, uh, an ED or Model 3 and a Model 3 in Ennis, that will pro- pro- provide the best healthcare option for the whole of the Midwest. Not, you know, we have to take away from the, the, uh, the, the micro politics of this. And, and, and people who are the reps in Limerick and in Tipperary may well have to say, you know what? For us to get better health care, we need to make sure that there is only one option on the table, and that is in Ennis. Okay. And, and I think that's the sort of thing that needs to happen here. For too long, the government have been able to say, well, you're not coming to us with a solution. We're not going to do three uh, new EDs. We're, we're, they're not even committing to one. But at the same time, I think if everybody in the Midwest committed to a single solution and said, that is the one, 
that will benefit Limerick, it will benefit Tipperary, and it will benefit Clare. But that's the solution. Okay, we it's do very, have... very hard for government to turn around and ignore that. Okay, we do have to leave it there, but my thanks to Killian Murphy and Marie McMahon, and we've received a statement from UL, UL Hospitals Group on this. It says, University Hospital Limerick remains extremely busy as Monday with attendances above average over the weekend and a high number of inpatients associated with the recent surge in winter respiratory illnesses. Demand for inpatient beds is exceptionally high and includes patients waiting in our emergency department and designated bed spaces in our assessment units and surge areas, as well as patients on trolleys on our inpatient wards. The level of overcrowding is far in excess of where we want to be and we apologise to every one of our patients who faces a long wait time for an inpatient bed. We are following our escalation framework to maximise patient flow and create additional capacity to manage the consistently high levels of activity and the hospital staff are focused on ensuring that emergency care is first received by the sickest patients. Ongoing measures include opening surge capacity across all sites, transferring patients on trolleys to our inpatient wards, additional ward rounds by medical teams to expedite discharges or identify patients suitable for transfer to Ennis Nina and St John's Hospitals and working closely with our colleagues in HSE Midwest Community Healthcare in order to expedite discharges. Elective activities also being reviewed on a daily basis in UHL and across our sites and for other seri- less serious illnesses or conditions they're urging people to contact their GP or out of hours GP services or talk to their local pharmacist. Uh, that's the statement from UL Hospitals Group. You are listening to Morning Focus on this Tuesday 086 is our text and WhatsApp number.